Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. This is episode six of our 10-part Oscar series, where each episode features a panel of film industry professionals discussing the nominees in their category of expertise. Today, we're talking about makeup and hairstyling, and I'm happy to welcome back some friends of the show. Angela Nogaro, makeup artist. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you too. And Avon Dapati Kupka, hairstylist. Welcome back. Thanks. Good. Good to see you. It's nice to see you both again. Listeners, if you're curious about our panel and their film credits, look them up on the Internet Movie Database. If you start on the Below the Line page, you can simply click through to the film credits of our guests. The five films nominated for makeup and hairstyling this year are Coming to America, Cruella, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and House of Gucci. We're going to discuss them in that order, and spoilers are possible. So listeners, please consider this a warning. So let's turn our attention to the films. Two quick notes. I hope I pronounce everyone's names correct, and so apologies if I miss any. And then for the job titles, I'm pulling these from IMDb, but obviously what happens on set and the nuances of that, I might not fully capture it. So just a word of warning on that. Our first film is Coming to America, character makeup design Mike Marino, hair department head Stacey Morris, and hair department head Carla Farmer. I personally think that that's where the award should go, considering what they're up against. Um, I think that Carla and Stacy and Mike, I mean, like, if you look at Eddie Murphy's makeups, they're amazing. Um, I think there's the most transformation. I think there's the most visual impact with what we do that tells a story. I concur, Angela. Um... I think Stacy knocked it out of the park, truly did. Pretty amazing. And also to have a barber that is up for an Oscar is pretty amazing because her work, you know, is quite impl- explicitly beautiful. Um, I agree on, on the stuff we've got up this year, not stuff, movies we have up this year. Uh, I believe that Coming to America legitimately is the one that's really a contender for the work which is what it should be about, not just about publicity and publicists and the money machine that pushes things along the way. Uh, Their work was stellar. We both know them for a lot of years. And this is like a long time coming for people to get their recognition. So it's kind of really a good thing. I I, I agree with Mandela. I don't know Mike, but I do, but the makeups are beautiful. I mean, they're impeccable. They really are. Yeah. I didn't watch this film when it first came out, but I was struck when I watched it for our show, just the range of work you're talking about. Because not only do you have these special makeups and people, you know, playing different characters and the makeup's a big part of that, but you also have this wide range of styles that have to be captured. And you have this Africa segment and you have this back in the U.S. segment and just there's just a, a wide range of, of work being done here. It's it's apparent in this category. I mean, you look at you look at the Wesley's wigs and stuff, you know, and all, all that Stacy brought to the table. I mean, like, and that's that's a hard thing to have a wig on a man that looks like it's actually his hair. You know, there's usually a wigginess about it. I mean, you know this. So just to say, I mean, like, really, really, just beautiful work, clean, beautiful work. 
So I think that's where it should go. Whether that happens or not becomes a whole other story. But that's where <laughs> I think it should go. I do we we won't get too far into the depths of how the voting actually takes place uh, or we'll be here all day. But let's move on to our second film on the list, Cruella. Hair and makeup designer Nadia Stacy, personal hairstylist and makeup artist Naomi Dunn, and crowd hair and makeup supervisor Julia Vernon. This is another film that I didn't watch when it first came out. I'm not really the target demographic for it. But I was surprised that the film was enjoyable as it was. You tell me more though what you saw from a makeup and hairstyling perspective. I get mixed feelings about it because the artistry is pretty fabulous. But also mixing, it's like the genres when you mix them, it's kind of like a drag show with this finite, amazing makeups that are done. And then you have caricatures. So it's not to take away from the artistry. The artistry is fabulous. I, you know, the wig work and Emma Thompson. I mean, it's pretty fabulous. But as far as oscar it's it's again, kind of partly the machine that pushes these things along to where all of a sudden it's like an Oscar contender. And I'm, I'm not too, convinced that it should be in there but that's my opinion you know i have a different take on this mm-hmm. so because in my world and you know this so your world is hair and wigs my world is makeup and then prosthetics and i hate to say that the only thing that ever gets recognized is some sort of prosthetic makeup you know what i mean I think the overall, the overall concept of Cruella, I thought was phenomenal. I thought every look was executed beautifully. I thought that every character was executed beautifully. And I hate to see that in order to win an Oscar, you've got to put a piece of foam or a piece of silicone on somebody's face because I think that always minimizes everything else. And I don't necessarily love that. Because every every character in that show, in that movie, which I which I thoroughly enjoyed last night, and I was really so excited to see a film that I because I haven't watched a movie that I really thoroughly enjoyed in a long time, and I thought that it really did have all the elements. Um, I thought it was really nice to see what I felt was a complete picture, like it was the clothes, it was the makeup, it real every element told a story beautifully. Uh, why aren't you one of the governors? <laughs> because I feel the same way. Our governors with the Academy, they love rubber, putty, and paint. It happens a lot. I think that's the biggest transformations. So I always feel like that's what they go for because that's where you see the largest transformations. Right. You know, it's the biggest bang for buck. Then it uh, somehow diminishes all of the other finite subtle work that is just as powerful on screen that people don't even notice. Um, My husband has said to me a few times, they don't know how much work went into what's going on because it just, it kind of looks real. So easy. Yeah. So easy. Easy. And we both know that, and you too, Skid, none of it is easy from the BG all the way to the trailer. You know, it's kind of like, so every year, you know, prosthetic wise, it's, it's one of my pet peeves is that we need to come up with some other kind of categories. But of course, you know, that may not happen for another 30 years. So we'll have to stand by or 
wave from afar, you know. In past years, we've talked about some of the, how things come together and who actually gets to be on the team. What did strike me about Cruella, and I don't know if it's true for all of these films or for most films these days, but uh, they had a hair and makeup designer. In other words, they had one person whose name was sort of bringing things together. Is that something you typically see on this stuff or is that- That's European. It's a European approach. European protocol, they get to do both. We do not here. Once you join our union, you can only do one. You know, we both started off doing both. I, I, I know. I mean, my history is I'm a makeup artist and I used to be the designer on all the projects I did before I got into the union. But we are not recognized. We cannot get the credit of being makeup and hair designer like in Europe. It's always, it always kind of makes me go, oh gosh, you know, because there's so many talented people, you know, and when they study in Europe, they are studying both simultaneously. So that's why, you know, in Italy, uh, all over Europe, they get the title makeup and hair designer. Both. Not here. Third film on our list is Dune. Hair and makeup designer slash makeup department head Donald Mowat, prosthetic designer Love Larson, and prosthetic makeup artist Eva Von Barr. Okay. Take it, Yvonne. <laughs> um, and, you know, I love Donald. I love him so much. I love his work. He's impeccable with his word. He's impeccable with his work. I don't know any of the other people. They're Europeans. Um, Dune is an amazing looking film. I personally don't, you know, it doesn't do anything for me. I didn't like the first one and the second one, you know, I don't know if it's the story or the depressiveness or whatever about it, but the work is amazing, okay? There's no doubt that the work is not amazing, but as far as, um, Nobody has any hair. It's all, only Timothy Chalamet has hair and that's him. And the rest is like, you know, again, rubber and paint and, you know. So how do we discern, you know, the work is magnificent. I cannot deny that the work is magnificent. It's just a personal play for me on it, on what I like and what I don't like. And as a movie, it was just as depressing to me as the first one. Uh, when I watched it with Kyle McLaughlin, you know, I'm like, okay, but that's me. There's people that are fanatics about sci-fi and the visuals and creepy characters and stuff. So I, I don't know. I think the other thing is, is are we, are we judging these or are we looking at these? Because there's two ways to look at this. We can look at this as a makeup and we can look at this in terms of telling a story. And I'm not in the academy, so I don't know what the instruction or how we're supposed to view this. If we view it out of context, does it stand up as well as it does in the context of the storytelling? I think that coming to America, outside of the context of the storytelling, if you looked at Eddie Murphy as an old fat Jewish man, you know, blows my mind. Yeah. I don't think that looking at Dave Bautista as a bald guy outside of the context of the film does the same thing to me. Angela, the Academy, they look at these movies that they put up because I know somebody that's there. One of the things that they do is does the makeup 
and hair tell a story, which is what you're talking about. Wait, wait, wait. Exactly what you're talking about, where standing alone, there is a story told with the makeup and hair on coming to America. And, you know, the costumes are magnificent in Dune, all of that. But I, I feel the same way. Well, that's why when you have to start weighing one against the other, then it's like, okay, well, this, you know, because, I mean, Dune is a much more impressive movie than Coming to America. Yeah. But then you have to step back and say, okay, well, if I'm not going to judge it that way, because that's all of the other elements, that's the costuming, that's everything, then I'm going to make it stand on its own merits and I'm going to remove it from its context. And now I'm going to look individually at these makeups and individually at these makeups what actually stands, you know, what, what rates higher? If that makes sense. I think that makes sense. I think it makes sense. Right. Now, when we are talking about, you compared it to Eddie Murphy as the uh, makeup work done in Coming to America, but you do have like that work with Stellan Skarsgård transforming him into the Baron that he's almost unrecognizable with that. Now, again, you think that that's probably overemphasized. Do you think that's the sort of, work that might have carried this over into the one of the final five. Oh no, I'm probably yeah, most definitely. Like I said, but now when you get up to the final five and now you're weighing apples and oranges and you have to figure it out. Well maybe you have to peel the orange and taste the apple and <laughs> you know what I mean? Because otherwise it's gonna be about the impressiveness of the movie and then the movie there's too many elements. So how do you actually figure out the makeup and the hair? You pull each individual out. Now you start to just examine it on its own, away from the movie. Personally, that's, you know. Speaking of the elements, it looks like dust and wind and other environmental factors could have complicated the actual filming of Dune. Talk to me more about those shooting challenges from a makeup and hair perspective. Being in production, there's always challenges and elements that we have to deal with. I have said for the longest time, you know, I don't want to do the hateful eight and be in the snow every single day, digging myself out of big holes and stuff. I have been there. Uh, Call of the Wild and also Planet of the Apes were elements that were very, very, very difficult. Uh, to maneuver and keep everything going with wind machines and craziness and dirt and all of that. So those are the challenges that we do face as makeup and hair people being out there trying to maintain and, uh, you know, clean them up and do this and then blow uh, stuff all over them all over again and then clean them up and do it again. So um, these, it must've been a challenging shoot, uh, but, you know, Knowing Donald, he's just always so gracious, and so are all of us. I mean, we give incredible performances every day that uh, we're fine. And these are the challenges that go along with keeping the look together for that shot, whether they're standing out there for 20 minutes in a windstorm, uh, having walnut shells pelted at them, and then we have to rush in there in two seconds and then rush back out. So. That's definitely, it's a great question because it's a big challenge for all of us. We're not always in a controlled stage or in an environment that we have any say over. So that's a, that's a big one. I will say that it's easier to maintain the looks of, let's say soldiers in war in elements than it would be a beautifully fabulous 
glamorized female who is now being pelted with all <laughs> with all of this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So so there's a level of there's a level of it fitting in and you can hide it. Whereas if you have somebody who, you know what I mean? Like when you're doing those scenes with, you know, a beautiful clean makeup that you have to now worry about all of this stuff collecting on her face, it, it becomes a little more of a challenge. Next, the eyes of Tammy Faye, makeup department head slash personal makeup artist Linda Downs, hair department head slash personal makeup artist Stephanie Ingram, and special makeup effects created and applied by Justin Raleigh. I have opinions. So, you know, I grew up with Tammy Faye. We, Tammy Faye was in the news. You know, we all knew who Tammy Faye was. Um, I think, I think the prosthetic work was very good. I mean, you don't see anything you can't see, you can't detect. That's always an indicator for prosthetics. I think that Tammy Faye's iconic thing was her eyelashes. Um, they opened the movie talking about her mascara addiction and her eyelashes. But you spend the rest of the movie never seeing it. You see a ton of eyeshadow, but you never saw those spider web, just heavy, hot mess eyelashes. <laughs> yeah. This is where I regret that people can't see the video of you guys with your hands doing the eyelashes. Cause... <laughs> you know what? I, I, of course, we're in the same ballpark uh, in our opinions. Um, you know, and as far as wig work, and somebody said to me, because everybody has an opinion, of course, we're in the times of all of that. But as a hair um, artist that works closely with makeup artists, her makeup, and yes, Tammy Faye had moments where she was a mess, but some of the choices that were made in the film were very challenging for me because it even distracted from her performance. Um, this metallic whatever they did like that looked like two stripes yeah i remember tammy Faye. it was about the lashes uh it was about the hairdos but mostly about the her face and the lashes um so when we border on uh, the prosthetic work was amazing somebody said to me well you know tammy Faye, her hair always looked bad and i'm like no there was a specific thing so if i see something that is Oh, I, it's hard for me. Wiggy or not processed. We all know the wiggy look and it bothers me. So if I'm looking at a picture, I wish it wasn't so, but if I'm looking at a picture uh, a film and it just goes right in my face, oh, that's wig is not, it's like they should, whatever. And where are the eyelashes? That was my first thing because, you know, sometimes she wore two pairs of lashes and I relate because a hundred years ago when I was a child, I wore two pairs of eyelashes back in the day, but hers were the spidery ones. They were so predominantly Tammy Faye. So I questioned some of the choices. Um, I, I think, and we're not talking about performances, we're talking about makeup and hair, but I'll, I think some of these performances were kind of brilliant that people did, but we're talking about makeup and hair. And for me, that I'm, I'm like, okay, Oscar worthy. I'm not quite sure about that for me, but I'm not a governor and I'm not on the, the panel. So 
I don't get to make that choice. I just get to talk about it with you guys. <laughs> I, I think that the choice to include it was with Justin's work and the transformation with the prosthetics into the, you know, the cheekier and yeah. And, and that work was beautiful. It was, um, you know, and I, I mean, I don't want to speak against another, you know, artist, but I, I didn't find the makeup that went on top to really portray who I saw all the time in the news growing up. It didn't, it didn't ring true to me. What did you guys think about the work with uh, Andrew Garfield as Jim Baker? He did go through transformation over time, and I don't know whether you thought that was too much or too little if you were actually watching him for it. I thought they nailed Jim Baker. So did I. And Andrew is like one of our brilliant actors of our time right now. To see his performance was amazing. And he didn't have a lot of prosthetics. He They didn't do a huge amount of prosthetics or any changes on him, uh, except when he possibly got older, because... He nailed it also in his performance and the hair and the shape of his face sold his Jim Baker. So, yeah, yeah, I thought that he was great. I thought he was great. Besides the two of those, there really wasn't much else much going on in that movie in terms of makeup. It was literally about Jessica Chastain and that was it. Yeah. Uh, D'Onofrio had he was just D'Onofrio, I mean, playing uh, Jerry. So. Uh, they didn't do uh, any prosthetic changes on him at all. Well, the fifth film on our list is House of Gucci. Prosthetics designer Gurren Lutstrom, wig maker and hairstylist Anna Corinne Locke, and hairstyle artist Frederick Aspiris. Should I take this one? <laughs> Only because I'm Italian, they should have been shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's my paisan. So last night watching this, I'm literally texting a girlfriend of mine saying, why does Al Pacino have a New York Jew accent? What is happening right now? Um, okay, so back to, our, back to our topic. I was blown away this morning to find out that that was Jared Leto. That I did not know. So in terms of makeup, I, they did an amazing job. He looked amazing. They did an amazing transformation on him. I couldn't suffer through the movie. I thought the movie was absolutely dreadful. So it was a little hard. To, I, that's why I didn't stick around for the credits to find out that that was Jared Leto. Um, <laughs> it was the Italian showgirls. Oh my, it was just, it wasn't even Italian. She had a Russian accent. Adam Driver. I can't even, I don't even understand what that was supposed to be. Anyway, um, but I did think that Jared's makeup was fabulous. Phenomenal. And you couldn't tell, like I said, I had literally at one point, I was like, I don't know who this actor is. He's completely over the top. I can't even take watching him. And that made me feel better when I found out that it was Jared Leto because I was like, oh, this is the reason that I'm watching him is because he's in full makeup and I didn't know. Yes. So, <laughs> I don't know if that's a plus or a minus for what we're talking about right now, but I did think that his makeup was fabulous. He was unrecognizable to me. You couldn't spot that it was prosthetics. Um, it, the job was beautiful, but I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's this beautiful thing stuck in a train wreck of a movie. So that's my feeling on that. For a movie, 
to win because of that transformation is yet again another case for us to have two categories. So makeup and hair are separated. Like at the Guild Awards also, there's the separation so that you can actually look at the work and decide. Because one of the hard things for me, besides all the other people with accents all over the place, the publicity machine pushing Lady Gaga like she's the next Meryl Streep, which she is not for me. And that may be sacrilege, but I'm sorry. She's okay. She she does an okay job. But this whole caricature thing of the Italians and what they were doing in this family was, you know, there's so many more aspects to the Gucci family than what they were showing, which was the sensationalism of this murder and the craziness. Um, we all know, you know, but um, Jared Leto, who is possibly one of the most beautiful men to look at in person, to see him, the transformation is unbelievable. But to see that now the whole movie group of people riding on the machine will take home an Oscar if he wins for that transformation. It's like unconscionable to me. It's it's like, it's palpable. <laughs> it bothers me that this happens and it's happened before. Um, the wigs were, you know, and I don't wanna put anybody down, but this is what we're talking about. The wig work was not incredible. The accents were like, oh my gosh, you know, this is the same guy for a long time, uh, Al and Adam and Gaga, I, it was just like, so to laud it as this amazingly incredible, I, I don't see it, but you know, of course we're very opinionated and you know, we have our choices too on things that should have been in there for the work. And that's what I thought it's about. It, well, it should be about, but it's not really. Yeah, you know, it's like Harvey Weinstein invented the machine. Uh, when, you know, a million years ago with Shakespeare in Love. And that's when this whole thing of just pushing, pushing, um, campaigning, campaigning for the win became, became a thing. You know, and not that, it, you know, in many ways it wasn't all of that beforehand, but that really sort of solidified it. And that's just where it's been. Every year it gets a little worse and a little worse. And I have to tell you, it's like after last year, and we've had these talks about who won and how it won and what was that all about. Um, you know, I hate to say this, but you just sort of care a little less because you just sit there and you go, well, this isn't right. And it's, and it's sad because it's not, I don't know. I used to hold, I used to hold the academies to a very high standard and, you know, and then you see all the other, the other, you know, political things at play and it changes your opinion about a lot of things. So I would love to see Stacey and Carla win this year because I truly believe that they deserve it. But talking about the push for Gucci is kind of interesting because if unless I'm missing one, this is their only nomination, that they got it in makeup and hairstyling. They didn't get it for Best Picture. They're actors. Now, I don't pay as much attention, admittedly, to the non-technical awards, and so maybe there's something I've overlooked. But there's a lot of films in this category that this is one of two maybe nominations dune is the exception but it is interesting that these films are getting recognized here but they did not pick up a lot of nominations maybe an actor nod here and there but i remember hearing in the press 
how furious Lady Gaga was that she didn't get nominated. I mean, she shouldn't have been nominated for Star is Born, but whatever, you know, that's the machine again, because Hollywood loves, you know, it's the example of how they're not going to show makeup and hair or editing or whatever. It's the same stuff. We want to see the stars. At the Guild Awards, they film the stars that are coming in to present, but not the artists. You know, it's just the same thing. Uh, the machine loves to push the actors and that's just the way it is. If, if they're going to put up that movie for Jared Leto's makeup, rightfully so, it was done beautifully. It was brilliant. Beautifully, it was brilliant. But again, now you take that and you take this one singular makeup and you put that up against... And Eddie Murphy, that in one movie has 40 live different looks, or you put that up against Dune that's got nine different looks, you be you might you deserve to be there, but your competition is steep at that point because all you've got is that one look to carry you. Do you know what I mean? So again, considering what else was up, and I don't remember all 10. We get 10, right? I think we had 10. I know that your movie was one of them, Yvonne. And I think that the only person that had anything going on, and that was Nicole, right? In terms of makeup. She had prosthetic eyebrows, but the rest was every single person, including BG and all day players had rigs on. And that's where us having a combined category doesn't work out because that completely gets, you know, all she had were eyebrow covers on. So that didn't make the cut. When you look at the hair work, and all of that, and it should have been recognized. You know. Yeah, but because it's still back to, we're in this category, which by the way, up until a few years ago was totally controlled by makeup. And you're my makeup colleague who I adore, but I'm like, wait a minute, this is so not right to do this. And it's just, it's kind of like the age old syndrome of, well, it's just the way it is. <laughs> no, it isn't because you're not looking at what's right there in your face. But, you know, that's how it is. This is the problem. You can't sell a period movie without hair. No. It's about silhouettes and it's about profiles and it's about hair. And very, very infrequently, do you get close enough to see all of the people in the background and to see their eyeliner. So that's where, that's where makeup being you know the only category doesn't work yeah you know what i mean yes i agree so i don't know i mean we keep fighting for change for all of these things and none of it's happening anyway so yeah. now we're not even going to be televised even though the only thing we see on screen is us. <laughs> we'll see beyonce and jc a lot you guys alluded to avon's film from last year uh but we didn't name it i wanted to say be in the ricardo's which was recently recognized and sort of brings us into the conversation of what other films did not make the final list of five, but are worthy of a shout out. Well, what about Cyrano being snubbed in every area? The work is great. The, the, it just, I, there's so many times I'm like, what, what are you guys judging? What makes the cut? What doesn't make the cut? Cyrano did get nominated for costume. Well, yeah, right. But that's what I'm saying. You know, there's like, it wasn't just the costumes. <laughs> we paint a picture, all of us. And I've said this for years. 
You can have a beautiful 1940s gal dressed impeccably. Her makeup is gorgeous. She's just fabulous. Nails, everything impeccable. If the hair looks like crap, it doesn't happen. You can have somebody with this amazing Victorian hairdo. And if they've got a contemporary makeup, it's going to look horrible. I, I just don't understand how they make the choices and where they cut because my what understanding was they look at the picture and does it all tell a story does it all go together blah 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 and you know back to gucci it's it's a separate thing it's the makeup and then the rest of it that's a tough one for me what are some of the other movies that were up with us there was being the ricardos there was um i don't remember what the whole list was do you have the list of the 10? I'll read through the list, and then you guys can talk about any that you want. Uh, Coming to America, which we talked about. Cruella, obviously. Cyrano, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, House of Gucci. And the ones that are on this list, Nightmare Alley, No Time to Die, The Suicide Squad, and West Side Story. Well, West Side Story... It's beautiful, it's Spielberg, it's a production, it's fabulous. But uh, as far as going to the Oscars, I, I, I don't know about that. It's hard to beat the first one anyway. Um, but uh, there was another one, uh, no, no Time to Die. It's like, you know, maybe for stunt people and all of that, it's really worth, worth that. That was the newest thing I just read today about uh, Helen Mirren was talking about um, stunt people should be recognized and get an Oscar of their own. And it's like, yeah, but you know, it's the same, it keeps circling back to the same kind of thing and issues at hand. Um, I didn't see most of those other films. I did. No Time to Die is great. It's James Bond. <laughs> you know, it's great. But as far as Oscars and everything, it, there was nothing that's exotic um, to me. Well, as always, appreciate having you guys on the show and getting your opinions and your take on these films. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, Skip. Pleasure was always. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Listeners, that's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, please visit our website, belowthelinewoodward.biz. That's B-I-C. It's easy to peruse past episodes, and you'll find links to all of our social media. That includes our page on IMDb, where, as I mentioned earlier, you can learn more about my guests. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music, John Vaughn for our logo, and all of you for sticking with us. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts, and tell your friends. Thanks again from Below the Line.